This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. Let's set the record straight. Mom, you are a rebel. I know it's easy to feel like you're not good enough, but let's kill the comparison. The world doesn't know you, and it can't define you. Mama, remember, you are enough. You are beautiful. You are killing it. You are a warrior, and you are winning this war. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. It is so good to see each and every one of you. I've been looking forward to Mother's Day. I love it. It's going to be a tremendous time together. Can't wait. But we got a special guest speaker today, usually on Mother's Day. Jane and I kind of tag team. But last year I said, hey, just so you know, that's the last time I'm doing that next year. It is all you. So can you put your hands together to... To welcome the one, the only, my wife, Jane Armlet, come out to the stage. Good morning and happy Mother's Day to all the moms here. First of all, I want to introduce myself. I'm Jane. Uh, many of you may have heard of me or may have been used as an illustration in the past. And it's funny, sometimes like this happened before. Um, I had a guest come by after and they were telling me about the message and everything and then it wasn't in a good way number one but then in the end I said you know that's my husband and they're like oh my goodness I'm so sorry Uh, but I am Jane his wife Um, I want to put up a picture here of our family we have three children we have Megan Kane and Austin and you could kind of see it here Um, my husband and I planted the church about five years ago and I am such a planner I plan to have my first two kids in two years and in June, because I used to teach. So I wanted to have them in June, that way I have the whole summer with them. So they're actually born two years and their birthdays are three days apart. So I like planned it at the dot, but um, they're turning nine and seven in June. And then there's a little surprise, <laughs> you can see it here. Five years later, we found out we were expecting and I was like, oh my goodness, this was not planned. And you can see it here, we have Kane, the youngest and he's the baby of the family and he loves being the baby, he gets spoiled. Anything that he wants, like the older siblings are like, oh no, no, what does he need? He falls and they're like, oh no, no, help him. And I was like, wow, this kid is like really getting what he wants. But this is my family, Megan, Austin and Kane. But um, I hope you. Uh, I hope if you're a mom here, you got treated well already this morning. Uh, maybe you got some coffee, you got breakfast made for you. Uh, I was talking to one mom. And I said, "Oh, what did you guys do this morning?" And then she's like, "Oh, we had McDonald's breakfast." <laughs> and so, hey, that's good because your kids are actually younger. But um, you know, I hope you get treated well. You feel honored. You feel loved. I love Mother's Day because I kind of look forward. You know, I wonder what my kids are gonna do for me today. But um, every year. Our family go to Hayes Mansion 
on Saturday before Mother's Day. Nothing fancy about the place. It's not like they have the best food, <laughs> number one. But we've been going every year, so they kind of expect us to be there on Saturday before Mother's Day. In fact, we went yesterday, and I was kind of surprised about the food. It was like, wow, this is not very good. <laughs> but since we go every year, we just like, oh, you know, we, we just have to go, right? But um, that's part of our tradition. The kids loved it. So I don't know what your tradition is every Mother's Day. Maybe you're going out for lunch today or anything like that. But I know it gets busy on Mother's Day. So some people, like, they celebrate the day before or maybe a week later or, you know, maybe during the week. So whatever your plan is, I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel honored today. And I hope you get extra treatment from your family. Um, any rebels in the house before I keep going? Rebels, there you go. <laughs> were you the one sneaking out at night, or when you were growing up, you were called a rebel? Um, I, when I saw this topic today, I thought, wow, that's really interesting about being a rebel. Um, I'm not a rebel. I'm the farthest thing from a rebel. In fact, I have never gotten a speeding ticket yet. And my husband makes fun of me. He's like, wow, you're probably driving like 65. No, 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 I don't drive 65. I actually drive fast, except when I see a cop on my radar, I kind of like slow down. Um, But I am a rule follower. I actually read the employee handbook. (laughs) I read the school manual. And I just love rules. If there's not a rule, I'm going to make sure there's one. You know, I'm that person. Um, if I'm at a job and somebody does something wrong, I get the handbook. I'm like, no, no, that was wrong. And it's not, it wasn't wrong. No, no, no. I'm going to make sure that was wrong. So that's me. So when I thought about this topic rebel, I said, wow, this is, this isn't me. Um, I, you know, I'm the good person. I, I can't, I can't talk about this, but I want to share to you a story in the Bible that many of you have probably heard before. In fact, she's depicted in art, she's portrayed in literature, um, you may have even heard of her name in lyrics, in movies, because she is most famous of her famous affair. And maybe you've heard of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky and their affair. Well, this affair is bigger. Maybe you've heard of Tiger Woods and Rachel. This affair is still bigger. Or if you're older, uh, you may have heard of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, but this still is bigger because this is about Bathsheba and King David. And before I, um, before I keep going, I want to kind of dive into a heavy text today. Um, last week, pastor said, you know, people say, I want to have a biblical family. And then if you actually look in the Bible, that's actually really sad. <laughs> the biblical families, they're like messed up people. And today, as we go over this text, this is so real. Um, and I, I want you to, as you sit here today, I want you to kind of picture this is what it's like back then. They're so bad. Um, the family that we're going to read today, you're probably thinking, wow, this is like today's culture. Like this is what's happening, you know, in our, in our current situation but um, back then, the culture was might made right. Like, if you have power, you get whatever you want. Whatever the king wants, he gets. So let's go ahead and read Second Samuel 11, 1 to 5. And I kind of want to set up the picture here of what's really happening. It says in verse 1, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. So I kind of want to picture here, 
the, the Bible says it happened in spring. So this is the time when kings go out to battle. They're going to take kingdoms. They're ready to go. But David did something different. He stayed. So no, I'm not going to go. You guys go. I'm going to chillax here. You know, you guys go on your own. And I always tell my kids, you know, when, you, when you're bored, you either get really creative to do something good or bad. And moms, we know this. You know, when your kid tells you, I'm bored. And you're like, really? <laughs> Find something to do. And then you're like, wait, wait, maybe that's not a good thing to say because they might be doing something bad or wrong or good. But um, David here, unfortunately, did something bad. Now, verse 2 says, now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. Now, let me stop you for a second. Back then, the culture was they didn't have indoor plumbing like what we do. You know, we go in, we want, we want water, we turn on the faucet. Back then, they didn't have that. So what they would do is they would get huge pots and they would put them on the roof to collect rainwater for cooking, for um, for cleaning, for bathing. So this lady, that's what she was doing. She got a pot of water and she's bathing herself. And before, when I read this before, uh, growing up in Sunday school, I said, oh no, she's probably in a pool bathing herself or in a river. No, she's on the rooftop of her house and she's bathing herself. Except the king's palace is on a hillside, so he's overlooking his kingdom. He could kind of overlook, okay, what's happening here? And as he did that, he saw a woman bathing. And the Bible was very clear. The woman was very beautiful in appearance. Wow, like this lady is more than a 10. You know, she's beautiful. Um, I say that because ladies, we actually check out other ladies more than men check out ladies. And let me tell you why. Sometimes my husband and I would talk and I said, hey, did you see that girl? He's like, yeah. Did you see her shoes? No. Did you see her purse? Did you see her hair? Like, we go on the details, right? Okay, tell me I'm not the only person who does that. But we know every little detail. Like, we check them, every little thing about them. So when the Bible says this woman was beautiful, the Bible was clear. She was beautiful. And then verse 3, it says, So David sent and inquired about the woman. So he thought she's beautiful. Hey, who's this girl? And one said, one of the servants said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? Now, I want to pause here again. Some people said, well, she seduced him. You know, she was naked. That's why she did that. No, she's actually a good girl. Her dad, Eliam, her grandpa, Eliam's dad, was Ahithophel. And if you're familiar with the Bible, Ahithophel became David's counselor later on. Like, he was so wise. <clears throat> the Bible said when Ahithophel would speak, it was like God speaking. So she's not a bad girl. She's a good girl. Her, she came from a good family. But the next line says, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So at that point, David should have been like, oh, yeah, 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 she's taken, right? I know she's beautiful. I know she looks good. But she's taken. She's married. But he didn't stop there. The next verse says, David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. Now, I want to share about this verse. Nowhere here said that Bathsheba fell in love with David. Nowhere here said that she went and slept with him willfully. She was forced to do something. 
And this kind of reminds me of what's happening in our society today. You may have heard of the Me Too movement. Women are sexually assaulted. And a lot of times, even I remember growing up, they would blame Bathsheba, you know, it was her fault. And even today, people do that. Well, if, if, if ladies would have worn this outfit, they, you know, that nothing's going to happen. No, this is what's happening now, and that's also happening back then. She was forced to do something. And verse 5 says, the woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. So she tells David, hey, I got pregnant, and you're the dad. But the next verses, um, I didn't put them on the screen here, but <clears throat> let me kind of give you what happened. The next verse has talked about how David says, oh my goodness, I'm screwed up. <laughs> you know, this is going to blow out and my kingdom's going to be taken away. I did something horrible. No, he didn't do that. He actually covered up his sin. So what he did is he sends Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to be killed. So he gets him murdered. And then after he dies, he ends up marrying Bathsheba. And then the baby was born later on. But... It says in verse 27, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then after that, the next verse, the next chapter, it talks about how Nathan the prophet, God said, you know what, I'm going to send my, my prophet and I'm going to correct David. So Nathan goes into the palace and tells David, what you did was wrong. You took someone else's wife by force, you had a baby, and God's judgment is upon you. And the prophet said, that baby's going to die because of your sin. So picture with me here for a second. Bathsheba was not guilty. And sometimes we forget, like, what's happening during that time. Um, Bathsheba was in a relationship. Her husband just died. She gives birth to a baby, and the baby died. None of this was part of her doing. It was all because of David. And all of us are in a relationship that require more of us then we can actually handle. So what do we do? What does a rebel woman do? Today, I'm really going to encourage the moms, but I believe this will encourage all of us. First of all, what did Bathsheba do? A rebel mom is resilient. She was resilient. She refused to remain defined as a victim. Um, I, as I think about her during this time, people are probably gossiping about her. Oh, you were a gold digger. You know, you had your husband killed, so you can, you can marry David. And within a week, she was sexually assaulted. She became a widow. She loses her husband. And then she gets the baby, but then the baby dies. But she was a strong woman. She refused to remain defined as a victim. She said, no, I'm not going to stop this. And a lot of us, sometimes we, we make mistakes, and we just can't get past that. Like she was carrying an emotional baggage. The Bible says she was not guilty. Nowhere in the Bible said, number one, she fell in love with David. She was just forced to do this relationship. And, but in 2 Samuel 12, 24, it says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her. And she gave birth to a son, and he named him Solomon. Maybe you're familiar with Solomon. He's the wisest king. And I love this next part. It says, Now the Lord loved him. God said, you know what? I know you're carrying a lot of emotional baggage. You went through a, a huge emotional um, situation that you didn't even want to be a part of, but I'm going to give you another son, and I'm going to love him. And I'm here to tell you, especially ladies, there's life after divorce. There's life after affair. 
There's life after you've blown it. Don't let your past define you. Um, I'm, a, I'm guilty of this as a mom. There's days when, you know, before we go to bed, I tell my husband, I'm just crying. He's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I just blew it today. You know, I yelled at the kids. I was not a good mom. And sometimes we're, we can't forgive ourselves. But I'm here to tell you, you can. Don't let your past define you. Don't let your past mistakes dictate who you are. That's not who you are. That divorce is not who you are. That affair is not who you are. You are enough. You are amazing. Raising those kids is hard, and you're doing it every day. Like, you get up the next day, and you do it all over again. Right? It's like... what. It, it's crazy because, you know, at the end of the day, you're tired and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But guess what? The next day, you're doing it again. You're getting up, you're making their breakfast, you're packing their lunch, you're taking them to school, and you're doing it day in and day out. And first of all, I want you to remember, to be a rebel mom, you're going to have to be resilient. You're going to have to be resilient. Not only that, Bathsheba, another point that she did is she raised a ruckus. Can somebody say that? Ruckus. It's kind of fun to say ruckus. What that means is she was a mother who fought for her child. Um, Bathsheba later on in David's life, when he was on his deathbed or he was ready to die, Nathan the prophet, the same prophet who confronted David, went to Bathsheba and said, there's a guy, Adonijah, who wants to take over the kingdom. So go tell David what's happening. And that's when Bathsheba said, "Uh uh-uh, nope, that's not happening. My son is going to be the king. David promised Solomon's going to be the king. And what did she do? She fought for her child. The Bible said when Bathsheba found out, she intervened. And moms, when we know that something is rightfully ours, we have to fight for it. Fight for it. The Bible said, I want to encourage you here, when Bathsheba intervened, I want you to do the same thing. Don't stop fighting for your child. Fight for their future. Fight for them to have good friends. Fight for your child and the choices that they make. And moms, you have to give tender love before you give tough love. I love what happened here in Bathsheba. The Bible said in 1 Kings 2.19, it says here, so Bathsheba went to King Solomon. At this time, Solomon is now a king. Bathsheba went to him. And she said, she spoke about Adonijah. The king, who is Solomon, rose from his throne to meet her, and he bowed down before her. Remember, this is Solomon bowing down to his mom. When he sat down on his throne again, the king ordered that a throne be brought for his mother. And she sat at his right hand. I love that part because Um, In history, no woman has ever held this position. She became the queen mother. How cool was that? She became an advisor. She was literally on his right hand. She's giving him advice. She became his watchman. She was fighting for him even though he was already a king. Like she had so much influence on her son that even though her son was a grown adult, he's a king at this point, she's she's still there advising him, giving him good counsel. You may have heard of this. There's tiger moms, which I can be one. Also, there's the mother of dragons, which is probably more popular now. And then there's these velveteen moms. You're probably familiar with the classic velveteen rabbit. Um, A velveteen rabbit really wanted to be real, 
and he ended up becoming real after being broken. You know, if you're, if you're familiar with the story, he gets used by the boy, he gets played with, and finally he became real. But I want to share a personal illustration here. <clears throat> Our middle one, Austin, you may have seen him on the, um, on the picture, and he gets used a lot in this church as an illustration. But he's six years old, and he struggles with math. Um, his teacher said, you know what, he can use more help at home. I said, oh, got it. I used to teach, and I used to teach calculus, physics. I said, I got this. This is first grade math. I can do this. So we sat down, and I said, okay, buddy, we're going to do this. We're going to go over your review sheet. An hour later, nothing has happened. He was just, I don't want to do this. I said, uh-oh, no, we're going to do this. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? I was mom, like, no, no, we're going to do this. We're going to sit here. And I tried everything I could. You know, I, I remember when I used to teach, I'm going to put stickers. I'm going to encourage him. You know what? You're almost there. You got this. And he's like, nope, I don't want to do it. He was so stubborn, just like his dad. <laughs> but very much like his dad, honestly. But the whole time, we were just like yelling. I was so frustrated. So finally, I'm like, you know what? After over an hour, you know what, you're on your own. Like, what else can I do? I tried to, like, help you. You know, I just could not get through that wall. And he just put up this barrier, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to be so stubborn. I'm going to have an attitude. So after over an hour, I'm like, okay, you're on your own. If you fail tomorrow, you know, whatever. I, I did what I can. I, I mean, I, I tried. And then later on that night, my husband comes home, and first thing he said, oh, how was your day? I'm like, horrible. You know, and I went through every little detail. Well, you know, your son <laughs> did this. And it's funny how they become their father's kid when they do something wrong, you know. Your son did this, you know. And he was like, whoa, 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 what happened, you know. So I told him what happened. And I just, I was just so frustrated. You know, there's a lot of frustration in my heart because I said, I've taught high school kids. I've taught all these hard classes. And this six-year-old would not let me teach him. Like, how hard is this? And I just felt so defeated by a six-year-old. And that night, I just like, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. So every night before my kids go to bed, I pray with them. And I remember going to his room, you know, praying for him. And then he looks at me, and he said, Mom, can I pray? I said, yeah, go ahead, pray. And as he started praying, he said, dear God, I'm sorry. I was bad to Mom today. And tears just started streaming on his eyes. And I know I'm not supposed to look and open my eyes, but I opened my eyes. I'm like, oh, my goodness, are you crying? You know? <laughs> I was like, my son is crying. And, you know, he felt really bad. And I said, hey, buddy, I love you. I said, even though you had a bad day today, you, had, you were yelling at mom, I still love you. I said, you're going to do great on your test tomorrow. And I hugged him, and I said, mom still loves you even though you yell at me, even though you have an attitude, even though you won't let me help you. You know, I just comforted him, and we prayed together. And I remember leaving his room, I just felt so broken after. And thinking, I thought I could do it. You know, what really frustrated me was, I've taught high school kids and this kid would not let me teach him. You know, I can't get, I can't, why can't I teach first grade math? You know, that was my frustration. I can't get through my own kid. And maybe you're sitting here today, you're feeling the same way. You're feeling like, I, I'm, I just can't do it. My, my own kid, I can't even like tell him what to do. I, they won't even let me teach him. But I want to remind you, only we are broken. When we are broken, are we tender enough to wrap ourselves around anyone. 
only the broken people can really embrace. And sometimes us moms, we want to put up this strong, you know, we're strong, I'm confident, I got this. And God's like, I'm going to break that because I want you to embrace your kids. And that's a hard situation when we get to that point when I can't do this anymore. You know, this is just too much. This attitude is just too much. The stomping their feet, you know, the closing the doors. I, I can't do this anymore. And God's like, no, I'm, I'm doing something here. And so not only was Bathsheba resilient, we have to be resilient to be a rebel. She raised a ruckus. She fought for her child. Thirdly, she rejected things that didn't matter because she knew she was raising a king. And moms... Learn to appreciate what's important, not just what's impressive. Um, it's so interesting how there's so much pressure on moms, not only moms, women. Um, I was listening to a podcast this week. It was an interview of this lady who's now super famous because of her yoga poses. And what's interesting about her is on her interview, she said, you know what's funny? The typical yoga, I don't know what they call him. Um, the yoga person is, you know, they're skinny, they're blonde, they're, on, they're by the beach. But this lady, she's not that. She's actually overweight and she's African-American. So everybody's like talking about her. And she said on her interview, she's like, I'm so ashamed of my body that years, an entire year or years went by that I only take pictures of myself two times. I just didn't want people to see who I am. I just hid and we women, we feel that pressure. We have to be like this. We have to dress like this. We have to act like this. And that's so much pressure, especially on moms. You go on social media, you go on Facebook, you see them, you know, take a picture of their food that they made, and you're like, oh my goodness, we had pizza tonight, <laughs> you know? I had, my kids had chicken nuggets today, you know? They had PB&J sandwich for the fifth time, you know? You, you hear parenting hacks, you hear marriage advice, and we feel like we have to do that. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but don't put that pressure on yourself. The hardest thing for a mom to do is actually say no. And I'm learning that. We, we get pulled in so many different directions. Hey, you know, do this, do that. And I still work as a mom. I work part-time. But I also stay home with our youngest, Kane. And I'm guilty of this because throughout the day, you know, he'd want me to play with him. And in my mind, I'm like, one more email. Come on, I just have one more email. Can I just reply to this? And God's like, nope, that email's going to wait. That email will still be there. Go play with your son. And we have to fight for those. There's so many things that's like, you know, hey, do this, do that. And we have to say no so we could say yes to the better things. Um, how do we raise a king? Right now, you know, in our in our culture, there's 40-year-old kids still living at home. We're not raising kids. We're raising kings. That's what, that's what we have to think of. How do you do that? By rejecting what's impressive, but holding on to what's important. It, it's even hard now to differentiate what's important, what's impressive. I'm not saying, you know, um, when your kids do well in piano or sports, those are impressive things. But at the end of the day, what's really important? Um, I'm not saying your career is not important. But they are impressive, but between that, how do you decide? Um, picture that I have a rubber ball here. We actually have a lot of them at home because of Kane. But if I were to drop a rubber ball, it's just going to bounce back. Your house is a rubber ball, which means if you lose it, it it's fine. Your career is a rubber ball, but 
you also have glass balls. Your children are glass balls. If you drop them, they're not going to bounce back. They're broken after, they shatter. If you're married, your marriage is a glass ball. Take care of that. Invest in that. Also, yourself is a glass ball. A lot of times, us moms, we just kind of forget about ourselves. You know, we, we get pulled in different directions. You know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to give, I'm going to give. And we forget to care for ourselves. And we get overwhelmed. At least I do. I remember um, even this morning, something little happened. And I just like, oh my goodness, that's because you guys don't do da, 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 whatever, you know. And we get into that mode because we don't have time for ourselves. We don't have time. You know what? I'm, I just need a few minutes of quiet. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to read. And I'm just going to pray. I don't, I'm going to turn off my phone, turn off the TV. Just give mom five minutes. This is what I need. Or even going to Target by yourself. Just do, think of those little things that this is just my me time where I can just kind of regroup and focus myself that, okay, I am enough. I don't need to be overwhelmed by all these things. So make sure you're holding on to the right glass balls because sometimes we feel like everything is a glass ball. Oh my goodness, I gotta make sure my house is clean. You know, I'm doing well at work and do this. But honestly, you only have three glass balls your marriage, your children and yourself. So take care of those. Um, I have been called several names growing up. Filipinos have this thing called nicknames. I don't know why. Um, growing up, they called me Ann Ann. They like to repeat the name. So when my husband and I were dating, they actually gave him a nickname. They called him Mac Mac. <laughs> why? I have no idea. Um, or, and then when I went to college, they called me Jane Ann. When I became a teacher, they called me Mrs. Ermler. But one of my favorite names is the name that only three people can call me, Megan, Austin, and Kane, and that's the word mom. Because I know nobody else can call me those names. Um, I wanna show you guys a video of how to kind of illustrate this with the word mom. Come on, sweetie. Oh, honey, you've got, you've got something on your face. Mom. <laughs> Did you brush your teeth? Did you really brush your teeth? Let me smell your breath. Mom! Okay, Jake, honey, this is the only thing I can find, all right? <laughs> Mom! Yeah, it's a compound fracture. I'm sorry, sweetheart. You're gonna be okay. Mom? Well, you have a good set of crutches? Seriously, Jake, what am I going to do with you? Mom. Hi, Jake. Hi. Ooh, she's really cute. Mom. Mom? Mom. Jake, sit up straight, honey. Mom. You look so handsome. I'm so proud of you. 
you, you've got something on your face. Mom. I love that word, mom. Sometimes it can be annoying, right? <laughs> mom, mom, mom. And there's times I'm like, there's, there's another person living in this house. His name is dad. <laughs> you know? It's like, mom, I want this. Mom, I want that. I'm like, your dad is right here. He can also get you a snack. He can also help you wash your, you know, your hands. But as I watched that video, I, I started thinking about that word again, mom, that I've been called a lot of names, but only three people can call me those, Mom, Megan, Austin, and Kane. And if you're sitting here today and you're a mom, when you hear that word, I hope you remember this video. And throughout the boy's life, there's different tones of his voice, right? Mom, you know, when he was annoyed, when he was happy, when he was excited. But the whole time, it was Mom, Mom, Mom. Um, you would think Bathsheba's story ended when Solomon became a king. In fact, she was not mentioned for years of silence. When, once, when she became a queen mother, the Bible didn't really mention about her. And I was wondering, you know, well, what happened to her? But thousands of years later, she was mentioned again in the gospel for the last time. And I love this part. Um, Matthew 1, Matthew 1, 6, especially Matthew 1, talks about Jesus's royal lineage. Everybody wanted to be part of the Messiah. You know, whether you're a grandma or a grandpa, you're a brother-in-law or sister-in-law, but you got to be a part of Jesus's line. That was a huge deal. And in Matthew 1, 6, it says, Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. Get this part, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. I love that part. It was like God saying, Bathsheba, you went through so much, but you were resilient. You were a rebel mom. You, you were a victim. Your, your wife, your husband got murdered. You had a baby and you lost your baby. And then you had a son named Solomon. And you went through all these, but I did not forget about you. I'm gonna put you in the royal lineage. And the Bible says, whose mother was Bathsheba? That was like, wow, God did not forget about her. And she became part of the lineage of Jesus. What a powerful testimony. She was a rebel mom who left a mark in history. I wanna encourage the moms here. You wanna be a rebel mom, you gotta be resilient. You gotta keep doing day in and day out. I was at a friend's funeral on Thursday in Washington and she died two weeks ago at the age of 33. She left two boys, ages four and one. And as they were going up at the church, you know, celebrating her life, talking about her, her brother went up there and said, her name was Rachel. He said, the greatness of Rachel was not because she earned the ARCT, which is the highest award if you play the piano. Like she could sight read, 
in the, at the drop of a hat. She can also play by ear. She was an amazing piano player. And he said, that's not her greatness. Her greatness was every day, in and out, wiping her kid's bottom, cleaning up the house while fighting cancer. Was the everyday things that we do, that's where our greatness lies. It's not our accomplishment. In fact, as I thought through this, when I was thinking about my career, I said, oh my goodness, you know, when, when, I, um, when I quit my job as a teacher, I told my husband, you know what, my students are going to miss me. You know, they're not going to have another teacher like me because I just poured so much time in them. Guess what? The next semester, they found another teacher. And then I started teaching online. I, you know, I connected with the parents. I said, you know, they're going to love me. You know, when I leave, they're going to write me all these cards. As soon as I quit, they found another teacher. But at the end of your life, your career is good. Your house is good. Nobody can take your place as a mom. Nobody in this world will ever call me mom aside from those three kids. Nobody can take that place. And as you walk away from today, I hope you remember that. I hope you, you hold dear to those glass balls in your life. Not everything is a glass ball. Your house is not a glass ball. Your career is not a glass ball. Your kids are glass balls. Take them and handle them with care. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. 